every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Fed, and it's just the two of us today. I'm joined as always by Andrew Flint all the way from Siberia. Andrew, before you start, there's one thing that we have to seriously discuss, okay? And this is a very serious topic. Yeah, it's very serious. Yeah. 13 degrees, 13.5 degrees, and no carbon, carbon in a liquid is not a cold beer. Alright? I looked this up. I had to look it up. <laughs> I knew this was gonna come. Uh, oh dear, I love it. Lager temperature for British beer is 13.5 degrees. I am sorry, that is not cold. No, no, money, money. I think you misunderstood me. I agree with you, cold beer is the way forward. Um, my, only, my only difference is I, I just... <laughs> I can't stand warm beer. Um, it, it needs to be ice cold. It's beautiful like that. But um, we. Okay. Uh, I looked something else up people. for you because you made fun of my my hat. It was two fingers. Yeah. There's. You know why? Been, you know it was yeah, two I'm fingers. Sorry. The picture's no, no, misleading. No, no, I tested it. I tested it. I, okay, let me finish. A good hat actually keeps in the car keeps in the the carbon. Yeah, to keep it nice and sparkly, and it will also keep it cold longer. So that's my two cents. Yeah. Firstly. Firstly, if and the beer was so really slowly, foamy to begin with. <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if, you're drink, if you're drinking so slowly that the beer gets warm, you've got problems. And secondly, you don't want fizzy beer because it gets all gassy in your stomach. So honestly, you're not even, you're not even like going to come close drinks. to bringing the argument on a big head like that. that was, I like that fizzy drinks. Andrew, I like them Fine. fizzy. It's good. I, okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, obviously, it's, we are not nice going to beer. agree on foam and fizzy I mean, beer. <laughs> It's nice. it, when when you're eight years old, it's nice when you're having a fizzy Coca-Cola, sure. But um, when you're drinking beer and you're having three or four or whatever, and um, you get all the gas in your stomach, you feel bloated, and it's nah, nah. The, the, the big head, you, there's no way you're winning that one, man. I'm sorry, absolutely crying I, against I humanity. I like it when it's <laughs> cold and fizzy. It's good, especially like after a hard bike ride. I, I had this beer out a uh, 75 kilometer bike ride. I let you know, and it was delicious. Shout out to the good boys of Pacific FC, by the way. To get the cooperation yeah. with uh, Russell Brew, I know they're not sponsoring it, but I'm gonna give Rob, uh, Rob Friend a phone call after this podcast, telling him he's sponsoring it from us from now on. That's good beer, man. It's good idea. I'm honestly, I still have a few in my fridge. I might crack open one after this podcast. It's good stuff. You know, more clubs should get should get behind this. Uh, make club beer and um, make good club beer, right? Because uh, obviously there's a lot of clubs and competitions out there, <laughs> UEFA, that get sponsored by, uh, shitty beer and, um, horrible beer that is, um, cold, but, you know, doesn't have much flavor either. So that's my two cents, Andrew. That's my two cents. Yeah. Is your, is this, um, Pacific beer? Is it, is a locally brewed stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's Russell Brewing there, um, across the, Across the water, in um, mm. in Surrey, I believe, so close to Vancouver, so it's like local, right? Um, 
and they right. they are the new sponsor of Pacific FC, our local Canadian Premier League side. So, yeah, it's cool. Like, it I can, a, yeah, I can definitely get behind that. A bit of local brew definitely, definitely deserves credit. Yeah, I mean, like um, the Whitecaps have a sponsorship deal. Funnily enough, with the local brewery here in Victoria, Phillips, and their beer is really good too. Um, I had that. Um, I think I showed you guys the picture of it, right? When we did the podcast for it and. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was very good. And then, then the last media event last season, the Whitecaps handed out a, f- a few free bottles to all the, the the media that like had covered them all year long. It was it was a really nice touch. You know, I walked walked home with an almost empty back backpack and walked out with four bottles of beer in my backpack. It was great. Um, and they were big ones too. They were like leader. They were leader bottles, right? So yeah, lasted about a night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's good stuff. But Andrew, um, you know, uh, the reason I started talking about this is because the next thing that we're going to talk about is unfortunately not quite as much fun. And, um, no. this is the second podcast this week that I've been doing covering this topic. And I, I think that, uh, we all kind of wish we wouldn't have to. Um, we all wish this, this wasn't a reality of life. It very much is, uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, has affected all walks of life. It has um, affected all all sorts of things, um, and including football and um, other sports. I mean, um, you know that over on the Game Pressing podcast, we cover the Bundesliga. The Bund- Germany has now been hit very heavily by the by the, by the outbreak. Uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel saying today to her cabinet that 40 to 70 percent of the population could get it you know germans are very pragmatic very sober people so this is not panicky numbers at all this is this is just the reality of it and uh, we're playing games behind closed doors we had today we had the champions league game between leipzig and and tottenham uh, that ended very badly for tottenham um was probably i mean we talked um in our chat that we have right um, among the guys Saying that this is possibly enjoy this game because this could be one of the last ones still being played with attendance. Um, I think a lot of games in Germany are going to see no attendance at all at games anymore. <coughs> Some competitions have been cancelled. The German Hockey League has been cancelled um, already. They decided to call it quits um, before the playoffs, and there's not going to be a national champion this year. Just a uh, um, you know a regular season champion. Um, the Swiss League has cancelled the rest of the season. Um, we had, I'm just catching up basically where we at right now. Serie A has suspended the league. Um, there's now talk that they could cancel the rest of the season. They has been, um, rumors and we're going to get into more detail of this and how this is going to possibly work that Euro 2020 could be postponed to Euro, to next year to uh, be played in 2021. There has been talks about suspending leagues. There's been talks about canceling leagues. I mean, um, we cover Greek football from time to time. The, the, the owner of Olympiakos, he also owns, um, a, a team in England, um, Nottingham Forest, right? Um, has been in contact yeah. with Arsenal. So today, the, the, this was the latest just before this podcast. Um, Manchester City's home game against Arsenal has been postponed indefinitely until all the Arsenal players have been checked because I've obviously had contact with all of them. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. There's, there's news live tickers that you can follow just centered on sporting events and how they're being affected. And, um, you know, to make the long story short, this is also affecting this podcast and the competitions that we're covering in this podcast, including the Russian Premier League. Andrew, the announcement today was that, uh, the Russian government has banned, uh, events over 5,000 people. Now, this is a very arbitrary number. Um, I don't know how they've, you know, diced and <laughs> yeah. came around to our 5,000 people. And this is in Moscow only. Um, so it's not even Russia wide. Um, Maybe break down to me how did the Russian government decide that five thousand is the magic number? Well, I, I think uh, that's anybody's guess as good as mine. To be honest, five thousand. It's uh, well, okay. I'll be cynical, Manny. Um, yeah, five thousand sounds like a completely arbitrary number because if you think about it, all that really rules out is uh, possibly music concerts and football matches and possibly one or two hockey matches. I don't know. I don't know exactly what stage of the season the the KHL are. I think I believe they're near the playoffs at the moment. I'm not sure. Um, it's not it's not really going to impact a huge amount, um, except the yesterday or the day before there was um, there was a movement in Parliament to allow 
to basically abolish a, a ban on the limits of terms that a president can serve. Um, and it basically meant that that Vladimir Putin could stay in power till 2036, which everybody kind of knew was going to happen one way or another anyway. Um, so as a result, if you're not allowed to have gatherings of over 5,000 people there, I think really what they're doing is banning um, uh, gatherings to protest against this this move, which I think is, well, I think it is probably right just to be safe um, from the coronavirus point of view. But I think that's the real reason they're doing it is not to be safe, because otherwise, what's I mean, how is if five if four thousand nine hundred ninety nine people gather, are they suddenly not going to spread a potential virus? Of course, it's an utterly pointless number. Um, so I don't I think it's fairly clear that it's not they're not doing it for the right reasons. Um, but in terms of sports, I mean, 5000 people in terms of football anyway, um, Spartak Moscow will would massively be affected by that. Um, uh, we've not had an official confirmation from Russian Premier League president yet, um, Sergei Pradkin, about exactly how the Premier League are going to um, follow this. But they have said we will follow this and we're not going to just ignore it. Obviously, you can't. Um, but whether that means they would allow 5,000 people into grounds as a limit or whether they would have behind closed doors or postpone matches, um, it would be very hard to see them postponing matches yet until stronger legislation comes in. But um, the 5,000 number, I think, is, um, is well, yeah, like you say, it's been plucked out of thin air. Um, but if you look deeper, I think it's fairly obvious to see why. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to be cynical with, with some of the things that have been going on. Uh, 5,000 seems an odd number. Um, I mean, most European countries have banned events over 1,000 people. Um, in the United States, in Seattle, and this has come just across the wire, this is King County, um, again, the, the county that's, that, that's next door. Um, they have just banned, um, People are like any events over 250 people. You know, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I mean, and honestly, um, the, the way that you can get this, um, it, you basically have to cough someone into a face. Now that happens much easier than, than you think. Um, every patient that has it is two, two extra patients that can get it. That's why you see such enormous jumps in the numbers, right? So I don't know, um, coming up with, this really controversial decision to, um, you know, one of the German papers that I read, Spiegel, said uh, 1,000 years of Putin um, seems very much possible right now, although I don't know how he's going to stop the aging process. Maybe they found something in that uh, catacomb that uh, they put in Lenin and um, found some way to <laughs> increase his lifespan indefinitely. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is an odd coincidence. Um, that does not mean that, uh, it's maybe not a bad idea. I mean, we've both been to Moscow many times. The, the Russia has confirmed cases. The number is, um, Andrew, I, I see the number that Russia has and it's 20. 20, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and also you've got to remember, man. That Russia was one of the earliest countries to have a case reported since the outbreak, which makes um, me wonder how it, accurate are these numbers. Well, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I'm not. I genuinely, at this point, I really am not being cynical, but it does seem. Well, I, I don't know what it seems to be honest, but the outside my city, Tumen, they had um, a hospital that was originally designated as the center of coronavirus. Um, they were gonna. They was gonna send all cases to uh, about thirty kilometers outside the city, and um, there was a there was a there were originally. I could have sworn there was a busload of about over a hundred people who were quarantined, but I they hadn't been tested. So of them, very few of them, um, given that only twenty cases have been confirmed, of that over a hundred people who are outside Chumani, a lot of them obviously were tested and have been quarantined. But a lot of people in Russia are being quarantined from pretty much any country that's had um, had a case. I know from one of my English friends, he's returned from England, he's been quarantined for, um, for a week. So, I mean, on the face of it, it sounds like very sensible 
um, you know, safety first measures. And I would like to believe that that is the case. And that's the reason why there are so few um, confirmed cases. Uh, I don't really see any reason why the number would be falsified in any way. Um, but you've got to remember the, the border, the border yeah. with China is absolutely massive. Um, so and it's very hard to police that. And so how is that how, number, how is that number so low if you are next to a country that had the largest outbreak? It seems, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you, you've got cities like Khabarovsk on the border where there's, there's very regular, um, crossing over between China and the, the neighboring town. And a lot of Russian citizens, you know, go on a day trip to China. Chinese come over to Khabarovsk for the day, um, to, for, you know, for shopping for different things. Um, there is a reasonable amount of, of crossing over. So, um, it does seem unusual, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 I think, I think all of it's matter though. It's the uncertainty that is the most confusing, well, the most worrying part, really. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the effect is undeniable because you've seen the rise in confirmed cases, but it's the unconfirmed cases almost that I'm more worried about. So, um, not yeah. entirely sure what the next step. Yeah, I mean, like, again, uh, big caveat here, neither you or I are medical experts. Anything that we do say on this podcast is our opinions. Um, if you do have any symptoms or whatever, um, and, um, please go see, see a medical expert. Um, don't take us as advice <laughs> when, again, Absolutely. we're not doctors. Uh, I should have said this at the very beginning of the podcast, but yeah, please follow the, the advice of the local health authorities and all the yada yada. Um, again, we're not doctors. We're not experts. Now, most of the things that we are talking about is experiences and the things that we have been dealing with. Um, we'll both cover football that's our job and as such the, the virus has impacted that um, way of life and i mean in the same time it has also impacted our lives in in a sense that well we both travel for our work and that, that has become increasingly more difficult as it has for everyone else um, i know andrew that for example you um, are due to renew your visa right and that could make life for you very difficult if there is further travel restrictions. Um, it, this, these are, these are the realities. And I, I think that all of us are sharing these at the moment in terms of, you know, what this means and also kind of shows how interconnected this world is in terms of how dependent we are on getting around. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, it's a very basic point to make, but, uh, Russia is a huge country and just within Russia, there's a huge amount of movement. Um, the borders across the whole of Russia is absolutely enormous. So, um, the amount of traveling that people have to do on a regular basis, you know, you've got, you, you've got to remember cities are hundreds of kilometers apart here. This is something obviously in, in, in Canada, you'll be familiar yeah. with Manu, but, um, you know, people who work for pretty much any sort of business, in Russia regularly have work trips far, far more often than certainly I'm used to people in the UK having. And it's, uh, it's usually a few days away. You've got to get planes to get pretty much anywhere. Um, uh, you've got trains as well. Um, and the trans railway does go to Beijing, um, and amongst other countries. So, you know, you've got people just simply can't function without, without traveling around. And, and until you get something like this, you don't realize quite how much you depend on the interconnectivity of, of your, your, you know, the, the transport links and what you need for work. So, um, yeah, like you say, Manu, I, I work basically mostly from home. I can work online, which is a, like I say, it's a blessing on one hand, um, in a situation like this. But on the other hand, what I'm working on <laughs> is, is massively affected. So, um, I mean, you could take any perspective if you like, but it's mm. it, it affects everybody. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's 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 tough to see where this is going to go, um, and we're seeing a lot of conjecture over what exactly is going to happen in the next few months. Um, but um, we were already seeing major major changes this week, aren't we, with Europa League matches? Mm. Well, yeah, Shakhtar Donetsk um, are going to face uh, Wolfsburg, and this game will be taking place behind closed doors that's been confirmed um another big one of course is if if games if leagues are going to get postponed 
when are we going to play them? Um, the fixture list is so congested with the amount of competitions that UEFA and the regionals and like national, national football associations have drawn up. There's simply no room to allow for just a month off. You know, um, there is no proficiency to ensure that, you know, if something like this happens, we have time to, to play with, to, to basically make up games. Um, which of course makes, the, makes it quite possible that international fixtures and tournament could be cancelled. And, um, UEFA has said thus far that, um, Euro 2020 will go ahead. This is a statement that they made on Monday. Now that's the latest announcement, but, um, behind closed doors, apparently there's already talk, um, about possibly postponing this tournament to 2021, which of course then would impact the 2020, 2021 Club World Cup, which of all places was supposed to take place in China, Andrew, which I mean, no way, um, especially if COVID-19 becomes seasonal, there's no way I think that tournament is going to take place in China. Again, personal opinion. Um, I also think personal opinion, cancel the Euros. Um, I think in, what is it? Four months time, three months time, having people fly from Portugal to Azerbaijan, from Germany to oh. Russia, you know, from the UK to XYZ. It's just not a good idea. Um, it, it, it's just the, it's an absolute recipe for disaster, isn't it? It's, there's, there's no way Euro 2020 in its current format, I honestly will go ahead um, on, on the current timescale anyway. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's the worst possible. It, it, you couldn't have a, an event quite like it even a world cup simply because it's all all the countries crossing over left right center um no i i, I man look i mean we we've got we've got to be realistic it's it would be and i don't know again like you mentioned <laughs> we're, we're not medical experts but i don't know how quickly a virus can be genuinely safely contained but i very much doubt within three months it would be a wise idea to to allow this to happen so um I think the most sensible thing is to, as early as possible, simply say, look, we, we aren't going to be having it this summer. Possibly use this summer to play postponed games from leagues, yeah. allow leagues to start a little bit later, and then just, unfortunately, we'll just have to work around it that way. Um, I think next summer possibly makes some sense. Um, because at least then you can, you can plan ahead. Yes, fixtures will need to be rearranged and, the you know domestic fixtures will need to be there need to be a few more midweek fixtures to contain it all but you know that's a small price to pay to avoid what would be potentially an idiotic movement of humans um, around the continent so yeah uh, that's what I would vote for at this stage what we'll see happen I don't know but I I just cannot believe they would be I I just can't see it happening this summer so my, not in this my opinion Andrew. And we've yeah. seen, we've seen pictures from fans gathering outside stadiums that are playing for games that are being played behind um, closed doors. You know, yeah. um, Chris sent in pictures of PSG fans rallying outside, uh, the, the, the Prague, the Prince ahead of the Dortmund game and all that. Fans, people, if you want to stop people gathering, you have to stop the games. And this sounds yeah. harsh. And this, this is, I mean, I'm talking about my industry here, but you really want to stop this? Just call off the season for a month, even just a month, month, six weeks. Then bin the Euros, just cancel the bloody thing, right? Just cancel it. We don't need an international tournament this summer that's going to be played across the entire continent. It's a dumb idea to begin with, right? Then in 2021, revisit it. Give it to Russia, Germany or France, one of the European countries that are either going to host a tournament very soon or have just hosted a tournament, have the infrastructure mm-hmm. already in place, do it that way, contain it, play it small, because we're probably going to face the same issue again next year. Bin the Euros, cancel all of April's game, March's game, say let's let's don't play any football until Easter. That seems like a good date. You know what I mean? That gives us yeah. five, six we- five, six weeks to sort this, to see where we're at. Just take a break. Take the summer break. Now, right? Play, give the players four weeks off, and then start the new season. 
and just do it that way. That's my personal opinion. I think that's the most rational thing because, look, even even if you get rid of the fans, they're still going to go out and watch. Even if you get rid of the fans, you still have players flying across the world, right? All you need is one. Like, look at this Greek, look at this Greek owner who's infected basically five or six different teams now. It's, it's yeah. sensible to take a break. Just take the summer break now and let the storm pass. Yeah. Money, I, I actually, I actually hadn't thought of it like that. Like, think of considering it like a, basically a summer break. But I actually think that's a very sensible idea because if you do that now, um, like you say, you're just saying, right, that's it. We're ruling out any risk whatsoever. But we're not throwing away any actual fixtures. By we're just simply moving them a little bit later. I mean, it may end up being that some fixtures do have to be cancelled, or maybe in the most drastic cases, whole seasons will have to. And we've slightly mentioned at the top of the pod some in some sports in some leagues this has already happened. Yeah. But um, if leagues have to be cancelled, well, well, unfortunately, it is a possibility. We don't know if it will happen, um, but it, it could do. But Taking a break now, even if you say what well, we're going to basically split the summer break between summer and now, I'd say it's actually a very, very sensible decision. Um, and that way, nobody will panic in the short term about, well, what's happening to our games? What's going to happen to our, you know, the titles that we, well, we've worked all season towards? Um, but you mentioned about the fans. I think it's, um, it's a very good point. There is, it doesn't matter how many announcements you make begging people not to travel. Fans will travel. They just simply will if there's anything going on. We've seen um, uh, Valencia fans, for example, um, gathering outside in the streets. I mean, they're all packed in together on the street. Um, Atlanta fans, they actually gathered in, uh, well, in uh, their home country and they donated all of their all of the money, they were given a refund for their game and they donated all the money to a local hospital, which was a very, very good gesture. Um, but, you know, it's, it's fans are together. Whatever you yeah. with as a game, fans will be together, wherever that is. So um, I, I just think, I think behind closed doors is, is almost as idiotic as the format of Euro 2020, in my opinion, because it's... Um, it, it's, it's losing a lot of clubs' revenue. A lot yeah. of clubs do depend, and especially when you talk about European football, um, you know, the mid to lower level clubs in terms of income. Um, but there's the, the money is actually huge. So they're losing out on that. The fans will gather in some way or another. Um, and, you know, even if it, the fans don't gather outside of the stadiums specifically, the fans will go somewhere to watch it. Um, and now that might mean instead of in one place having 30,000, you might have, say, 300 places with hundreds of people packed into a pub or a bar or somewhere to watch it. Then it, fans are going to gather and you, you, you're not going to stop that. So just take that off the table completely. Yeah. Makes makes a lot of sense, I think. Yeah. And bin the Euros. Um, I don't know. I, I would not be sad if Euro 2020 no. gets moved to 2021 um, and then bin that club world cup or have have the the club world cup played with all players that are part of the national team or something like that they can sort it um but um yeah as it stands right now i think it's not the best idea in the world um to keep going forward like that but you know in this very time of covid19 and people putting in travel restrictions and fans uh being asked to travel less I can't believe we're transitioning to this topic, Andrew. Is this is kind of hilarious? But um, we're going to do this quickly because, yeah, the is there going to be a new Asian Super League out of the Central Asian countries? Now we're talking about this because Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan will send eight clubs to the um, Uzbek Cup. Um, the Uzbek competition, of course is getting Uzbek football in general is getting better. It's getting stronger. But um are we seeing a formation of maybe another Super League in Central Asia? Um, you know, these are all post Soviet republics. They're used to playing against each other as it is. Could be an interesting proposition. Yeah, yeah I think I think it's an interesting one. Um the I mean the, <laughs> I I can't confess to have watched a lot of Uzbek domestic football, but 
like you say, a lot of Uzbek players are coming into Russian football. Um, there are Kyrgyz, well, there's um, um, Valeri Kitchen has played a lot, and the Kyrgyz captain, um, uh, Tajikistan. Russian Tajikistan as well, and there are a lot of people from those countries um, who, uh, who who support sport around here. So, you know, joining I think it's the Uzbek League Cup to be precise, but um, you know, spreading it out like this is well, I, I don't see any problem with it. Um, you know, we've seen uh, in very very different circumstances, we've seen proposals in in England, your favourite competition in the world, Manu, the oh, Carabao God. Cup. Um, <laughs> Speaking we've of had, competitions that need to be binned. <laughs> Speaking of, exactly. Um, David Moyes has suggested that, actually, sorry, take that back. It might be the EFL trophy that he's referring to. Yes, another competition, and that's something you're a fan of. Lots of competitions to, yeah. to remember. Um, he suggested that it should be made into a, a UK tournament, so welcoming Northern Irish, Scottish, and Welsh teams into the competition. Um, I don't know about this. The these Tajikistan Kyrgyzstan clubs uh, playing in the Uzbek Cup uh, League Cup. I think it's it could be it could be interesting in terms of building um, a bit possibly a building a bit more you know cross country revenue. Um, a Central Asian Super Cup would be would be interesting because some of the best supported clubs in the old uh, Soviet higher league were from uh, places like. Dunshambe and uh, and and Tashkent, so it could be it could be well supported. Um, I don't know, Manny. Do you think do you think it could stoke some old sentiment from you know the, the Soviet era um, they, from some of these classic teams? They could all get together with Putin and join his one thousand year um, empire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we laugh, but we're only half laughing, Manny. <laughs> <laughs> We're partly laughing. Um, we've been in this game too long. Uh, sooner or later, someone will come up with that proposal. Ow. It, let them. I am sure it would be fun. Um, although I'm pretty sure the moment any of these countries are getting hit by COVID-19, that discussion is going to end very quickly. Um, there's a big red blurb. Oh, they, no, no. None of these countries have officially been hit. So there you have it. Um, the competition is officially a go. But Andrew, we also have to talk a little bit about the Russian Premier League. It's, uh, hey, I don't know how you feel, but I find it really hard to like really focus on the football at the moment. Um, you know, I was I I did a story today on on the the Leipzig Tottenham game, and I I should have been absolutely joyed and mm -hmm. how Leipzig just smashed that team. Um, do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. But, yeah, I just didn't even really care and i find that with like a lot of competitions because it's kind of like it's kind of like when you know that your favorite show is canceled and you kind of don't want to keep watching it because you know that it's going to be a massive cliffhanger in the end it just kind of feels like that at the moment and i'm looking at these all these competitions that i usually follow and I mean, yeah, there's a six-point gap between Zenit and Krasnodar, and uh, I, I, maybe there's a chance that Krasnodar could win the, the competition. The Champions League has been probably one of the most exciting in years with 
you know, possibly um, German clubs going very deep. The Europa League, Leverkusen has a really good chance. I went on a Scottish show today and I always enjoy supporting the German teams in the show. Schachter Wolfsburg should be a fantastic matchup, but that's going to be behind closed doors. It's just kind of all a little depressing. Huh? So we're like, we're looking at these league results and yeah, Zenit, um, surprisingly dropped two points against Ufa. Now the league race could be on, but we don't know if the, if the league is going to finish. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I admit it's, um, it's, it's, it's concerning times. I mean, the, like we mentioned earlier, the, the news directly affecting Russian football at the moment, it's only, only Moscow. Um, uh, Moscow mayor's declared that uh, I actually I'm just watching the news right now as we're doing this pod um, come up saying they will let fans in but only up to 5,000 that's only been reported on um, Match TV which I, th- I would say is a reasonable source um, here yeah. um, so you know that's is I mean if you if you have a potential cliffhanger that could decide either a European place or title relegation and it's in Moscow and 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 at this at this point it's only Moscow, like we say. Um and there's only five thousand fans. It's I know that the the spectacle is about the lowest priority in a case like this where we've got a potential global pandemic. But yeah. um it's it is still it does like you say it means I mean in a in a in the wider sense quite rightly but it does take away from what sport is. Um, so, with, in terms of Russian, uh, the Russian Premier League, I, I don't know. I hesitate to, to. I don't want to speculate too much, but I'd be surprised if they will roll out exactly the same ruling for all Russian Premier League games. I mean, the cynical say because you probably don't need to for a lot of grounds. Um, um, the the average attendance in the Russian Premier League is about ten thousand, but that's propped up by Zenit St. Petersburg having 50,000, Spartak having about 40,000 each game, uh, Rostov getting good um, attendances, Krasadar getting about 30,000. Um, and Krasadar had 30,000 for a game against Ufa, which is not exactly a big draw. Um, so uh, I don't see it being rolled out that far um, uh, around the Russian Premier League, but it does it does take away from what is turning in, turning out to be a far more exciting spring part of the season than I thought it would be. Um, I mean, if you just look at the table, man, like you mentioned, Zanita have dropped two points, two goalless draws since winter. That's quite concerning, really. Um, you know, the first game back, drawing nil-nil against Lokomotiv at home, well, that's fair enough. Lokomotiv are one of the main challenges. Um, but then... Nil-nil last weekend against Ufa. Ufa are a very, very stubborn side. They got the the second best um, uh, second best defensive record in the league. They've uh, they've only conceded 19 goals. Um, and Zenit just they really struggled to break them down. They were just lumping cross after cross after cross into the box. And Ufa, to be honest, didn't look overly troubled. Um, Alexander Belenov made a couple of simple saves. So when you look at Zanit potentially struggling, Krasnodar are finally winning again. They they drew an extraordinary number of games before the winter break, but they have been unbeaten for quite some time now. They're getting momentum going. Um, so, and also don't forget, the big one is that uh, Krasnodar have to host Zanit St. Petersburg mm. later in the season. So that could potentially mean just drop three more points and it's it's in Krasnodar's hands and suddenly out of nowhere we've been saying for months haven't we Manu the titles and eats rule it out you know it's done and dusted well you know it's mathematically and very realistically it is not anymore um, and yet like you say it's just it's, it's a bit but will it matter on, but it, <laughs> that's the thing yeah. right will it actually matter oh man Andrew I hope because it's like there's so many. Like, this is a, this is going to be an exciting season, and um, yeah, I hope you know. I almost wish, um, and this is like underlines my point that I made earlier. Do not let us have a cliffhanger, um, and I almost think this maybe needs to come from FIFA or UEFA, so we don't have different leagues dibbly dabbling around with like different decision making. Yeah. Call a break now. 
Just call a break. World Worldwide yeah, Monetarium I, I, on all games. I, I'll take the rest of Mario, March I, off. Or I like write transfer stories and reassess players and fix the database. There's lots of work to be done. And then we can, once the spring, the temperature rises, we can influencers drop. Maybe we can kick this thing in the ass a little bit. Get it back underway. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, man, I think you're right about making it a UEFA slash FIFA decision yeah. simply because, well, like you say, it's for consistency. It's only going to work if it's consistent across well, the entire world, obviously. But, you know, we're focusing on the continent where where we work. So, yes, I think um, I think it has to be really something on that level. Um, and if UEFA are interested in protecting their products, which we know they obviously are, then they should be sensible about it. Because, um, and like you say, as early as possible, make this, make this call. Um, I don't really see any point in... In, in, I don't really see the need to take much longer to make a, a decision about what to do with Leeds because, you know, some Leeds are already taking it into their own hands. Um, and it's going to be incredibly, you know, I, I know that the health of people is by far the most important thing, but in the terms of organisation and logistics within sport, the earlier you can decide any changes, the, the better and easier it is to, to, to organise things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm so behind you on that one. Um, I mean, for, for Russian football, there's, there's, there's very few midweek fixtures. We actually have one today, uh, mm. Sochi against, um, uh, Orenburg, but very few midweek fixtures happen. I think there's one round of midweek fixtures in the spring part of the season usually. Uh, so it wouldn't be impossible to fix. Yes, it would be tight together. Delay the season a little bit, assuming Euro 2020 doesn't go ahead. Yeah. Throw in the odd midweek fixture or two, and you can easily engineer a month's break. Uh, it wouldn't be difficult. You know, Andrew, um, if they cancel Euro 2020, there's no problem. You can now take off four or five weeks because think about it. The tournament is four weeks. Then you, they, the national teams usually get together two weeks beforehand to play their silly friendlies, right? Yeah. Uh, that's six weeks. You can put in six match days. You could possibly put nine match days into that. Right. Um, yeah. Cancel the, the international friendlies that are coming up now. Just cancel it. Just cancel it. You don't need yeah. to have players flying around the world right now. I know we're supposed to talk about the league right now, but it's just so hard to ignore the elephant in the room. So, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, but Manny, I think, um, I, I think you make, uh, you make a very good point. And the other, the other side of that is, um, even if, if even if leagues wanted to still finish as relatively early as possible to give us a summer break later on in the year. Um, you could you could say, well, look, if we give you a month's break now, that gives your players a chance to recuperate, refresh, build up, so that you take on a more compacted fixture list for the last part of the season. Well, you've got a, a month's break to recover and prepare for that anyway. So, you know, the, the, this, I don't think, I don't see any arguments against it, really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, well... Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, yeah, with Russian football, the only competitions left of are the the Russian Cup semi-finals. There's one quarter-final still to be played, mm-hmm. um, two semi-finals and a final, and and another nine league rounds, and that's it. So nine fixtures plus one or two for other clubs. Um, it's really not that hard to, no. to organise, and it shouldn't be difficult. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I mean. Look, I mean, while we're here, we might as well just, um, I guess, just go over the main stories of the Russian, the Russian league. Um, I mean, are you okay? Think about CSK Moscow, Manu. Um, now they'll be affected by the the five thousand limit, yeah. obviously. Um, are you concerned at all about uh, about their their run of form under Viktor Goncharenko? They've won two games in 10 now. I mean, he's always been a good coach, but has he been found out? That's a weird question, right? Um, for them, yeah. it's been such an awful season in Europe as well. Um, it's only seven points now to, well, seven points to Arsenal Tula. So they should be, they should probably finish in the Europa League standings. Um, if there is an end to the season. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, 
Yeah, you can se- you can sense my mind is not a hundred percent there, but I I think you know I really like Goncharenko. I think he's a fantastic coach, and I I do think that you know he CSKA have been in in transition for so many years now that they're still trying to sort out what kind of team they actually want to build. Um, you know, you know I yeah. work for for Transfermarkt and I, I look at the squad value, the overall squad value. We are very good in team in Russia doing the evaluations on on these teams, and they, they're the third most valuable team in the league. So maybe they're punching a little bit below their weight at the moment. And Goncharenko, despite I think, is fundamentally a good coach. We also have seen him in the past, maybe just lose lose his form a little bit. You know, he um, he wears off, um, so to say, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think um, I know. I agree. With you. I think it would be it would be silly to to you know have a knee jerk reaction and say, oh well, you know, you need to we need to get rid of Gontrenko. I would never go that far because he's he's he does have a mercurial touch with young players and you know they have had some horrific injuries in the last well 18 months or so and they're only really coming back to having a fully fit squad just uh, since the winter break and and he's done a remarkable job of revitalizing that squad because it had to happen and it would have been it would have been quite quite painful to manage if you didn't have uh, um, the scouting system as well deserves a lot of credit for for TSCA. They brought in um, so many players that nobody would ever have looked at, really, in Russian football. Um, they scouted Slovenian leagues, um, Croatian leagues, um, even brought in Takuma Nishimura from Japan. Um, and, OK, he's gone out on loan, but he's he's done well when he's come in. Um, Ilya Shkodin coming in over the winter break, scoring for fun in the Belarusian leagues. Um, so I think I think with Tiska they are a side that will are very well set for the long term, and as long as they make Europa League, there's no point in being in the Champions League. They're nowhere near ready for Champions League football at the moment, um, in my opinion. So I think Europa League just qualify for Europa League uh, and take it from there. Um, there's no need to panic because you know you uh, they they have a good young coach, they have a good young squad. They just need to build the experience, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and I think if I was a CSKA fan, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think it's just it's a project that just takes time. Um, they have the youngest squad in the league, um, I believe. So, you know, let me just check. Yes, they have the youngest squad in the league and still the third highest um, market value um, overall. And actually, average market value, Andrew, also third, um, just behind Krasnodar. So I think the future will be all right. Kontravenko will sort it out. And um, yeah. CSKA, I, I guess they will finish the Europa League. I think Champions League might be a little bit of a step um, too much for them anyways. But Andrew, um, I think we're pretty much out of time. This has been a very heavy Corona-related uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, and sadly, I do not mean the beer. I mean the virus. Um Although we did speak about beer, and I was glad we were able to do that because um, the thought of beer definitely lightens me up a little bit. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew, where can people find you? What can what have you been doing lately? Floor is yours. Pluck your work. Um, yeah, well, I'm on, on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint, um, and I'm doing the English language content for the Russian Premier League website. It's quite an exciting time. We've had um, first two rounds of English language commentary on YouTube. Um, like we mentioned last week, our, our friend and colleague Alexei Yadashevsky has done a brilliant job so far. Um, so we're making a big push um, to improve output and content for for English uh, well, English language and overseas viewers. So it's a good time to so go and check out on the website. We're doing match reports and updates and previews and uh, the latest news. And there should be a lot more news this week. That's fantastic stuff, Andrew. I'm so glad um, that you get to work on that site. And also working together with Yaro uh, is a fantastic, fantastic guy. Um, so shout out to him and all the fantastic work he does. Yeah, you can find my work um, pretty much, you know, I still, of course, football grad always active we have we have always have new content mostly podcasts these days but some other stuff as well match reports um chris does did a match report on the top spiel for example i do a match report on every buying game but 
my content is usually now on uh, Transfermarkt, Transfermarkt.us, where I'm the area manager for all the US-related English content. So that's Bundesliga, MLS, and uh, any other players involving, you know, any other North American content, really. So um, if you want to check that out, that's on Transfermarkt US, especially if you if you're in North America, anyways, because previously we didn't have content in English, and Transfermarkt now has a ton of content in English. We're doing about eight, eight to ten articles a day on the page um, related to transfers, but exclusive interviews as well. Um, you know, we got I spoke to David Beckham, for example, a couple of weeks ago about his project at Inter Miami, and uh, all that stuff is up on Transfermarkt.us. So please go check it out. Well, Andrew. It's been a pleasure, as always, even though we only got to talk about one pleasurable thing. Um, but maybe next time we'll just do a podcast about beer and we can discuss that. Um, that'd be fun, I think. Well, fun. Yeah, I think so too. It's in order. We'll get Tim, Timbo on it too. Um, you know, he can, he can give us his beer discussion. Anyways, guys, that's it from this week. Until next week, das wird dann hier. natural healthy looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon it's easy with conair jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers these 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds and because they're infused with ceramic they transfer heat evenly for big bouncy long-lasting curls Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.